Welcome to episode 234 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat about the new company town and real estate development by Google and Facebook. So we've come to the point where the new golden age is engendering a, a lot of similar themes to the last golden age of uh, industrialism. And wouldn't you know, the company town is on the docket again. So how did we get to this spot? Well, uh, as most of our listeners are very familiar with, the uh, real estate prices in American cities known for innovation is, uh, you know, skyrocketing. So whether you're talking about uh, sort of the San Francisco, Silicon Valley area, talking about Boston or Seattle uh, or Austin, you know, these are all places where the real estate recovery has gone well beyond that. And it's now uh, competitive again to be, you know, going after uh, the American dream of the single-family home. In fact, I saw a troubling statistic uh, about the costs of sort of the median costs of uh, homes in the Silicon Valley area. It's well over a million dollars. It's so, over a million. It's not well, but it's over a million. A right. little over a million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah, that that is that is some serious. Uh, serious shekels there. That's 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 some money. Um, and 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 for me, just to you know consider like you know my parents' house was was probably I don't know fifty or sixty grand. I mean, uh, you know, this is during the seventies or what have you. But it's just um, sort of not even in the realm of imagination of of you know uh, uh, myself as a as a child. You know that that I'd even be talking about million dollar uh, home markets. Uh, so, you know, couple that with the, the competition for talent, right? You know, the, the, the fight for the best and the brightest. So this ongoing and um, escalation of, of talent acquisition, which, you know, Google and Facebook and, and the other Silicon uh, Valley companies are, are all competing and, you know, they keep raising the, the, the uh, salaries for engineers and designers coming out of school. I mean, we're, we're a design studio at GoInvo and, uh, you know, the, the starting salaries at the Silicon Valley firms, you know, far outprice, you know, what, what, you know, what we can offer. I mean, we offer other things, uh, namely you can go home at the end of the day, but, um, you know, this, this is getting, getting out of hand. So, so because the, you know, the municipalities aren't able to keep up with sort of this combination of, you know, high salaried employees looking for, you know, looking for, for housing and, and, you know, all this demand that it's creating, Google and Facebook have taken it upon themselves to, you know, start solving this problem locally. And, you know, and that starts with scooping up, you know, areas for development. And like any, you know, other developer, you know, they're putting together plans and proposals uh, in Silicon Valley to create, you know, their, their communities, which will largely be populated 
by their employees, you know, as you might expect. So, so these communities are, are going to have, you know, uh, it's going to be mixed use. There's going to be, you know, lots of condos. There's going to be, uh, you know, all sorts of restaurants and shops. So, so on that level, you know, it seems uh, benign. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this, this is company housing. This, this is creating a, a culture around uh, work and, and attaching yourself to a corporate entity that sort of goes beyond what we're used to currently, uh, which is that, you know, there's, there's some demarcation between, you know, where your uh, work life ends and your personal life begins. Um, and, and creating this housing just sort of uh, binds you ever more tightly to companies. So, so Dirk, you know, this, this is an issue that, you know, that you've been thinking about a bunch, you know, what's, what's your initial take on uh, the, the new company town? Yeah, you know, we talked a few weeks ago in the context of the Sidewalk Labs project in Toronto about a history of company towns. So I, I won't reiterate that necessarily, but needless to say that there's a, a long history going back to, you know, early industrial revolution of, um, of companies, of, uh, you know, organizations that need a lot of labor and need a lot of labor localized, which, you know, you could argue if the localization is necessary in this day and age, I think it is more so than, than most do, um, that providing infrastructure for living uh, is a smart tactic. And um, it's not just a smart tactic, but it makes sense um, in if, if you sort of pull yourself out of the negative consequences that can come from it. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, Silicon Valley, it's incredibly expensive to, to live. I mean, even if they're paying, you know, let's pretend – that an engineer, a really good engineer, is hired out of school and they're hired for $120,000, right? Um, I think that's that kind of thing is happening. That person cannot buy a home that is over a million dollars. Even if they were making $120,000 living like a pauper for a decade, assuming their salary wasn't going up, they still couldn't afford a home for over a million dollars. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not super wealthy, but my income is in the top couple percent, and I can't afford a home for a million dollars as a mid-40-something now. So um, it's it's just sort of insane, and the fact is people want affordable housing. They don't want to be worried about a, a rat race where you know, you're paying insane amounts of money for an apartment that are just draining you know any benefit you would get from your high salary or can never afford a house. Um, to me, it makes perfect and total sense in this weird real estate bubble of Silicon Valley most specifically. Uh, you know, I, I, the same thing could stretch to other places. Some like New York City, it's not really an option to build housing in, in the same way. Um, uh, it makes sense. It, it is something that has the potential to be a real good for your employees. The problem is corporations, you know, their goal at the end of the day is the bottom line. It's It's very simply you know, income minus expenses. You want the number at the end to be as big as possible. So in the process of heading down a path that has the theoretical potential of real holistic good for the employees, for the community, and for the company, you know, it's it's going to be twisted in a different way. So um, on paper, sounds great. In reality, probably probably won't end in the best way for the people involved. Yeah, there there was some concerns uh, raised in an article that uh, that I was reading on this, you know, about how the uh, ultimate control of the municipalities where you know these companies are buying up 
uh, large swaths of land where, where you know, they, they took a look at, at one of the uh, municipalities and, they, you know, uh, the voter turnout isn't, isn't huge, right? So it, it's just a matter of um, a little bit of voter organization uh, and all of a sudden you can sort of stack the city council sort of however you like. Now, now that's not, you know, probably the, uh, the purpose behind, you know, uh, you know, housing lots of employees in, in, in a particular area is not to, you know, politically take over uh, any of these towns, I'm, I'm sure. But the inevitable consequence... Well, don't be sure, John. <laughs> the, I mean, the inevitable consequence of it is, you know, that it's going to have a similar effect, right, over time. So uh, just by by the nature of it, if if half of your population is Facebook employees, there's going to be an outsized represent, uh, representation uh, in local government over time because of just who the population is made up of. Uh, that's, you know, that's fully possible. Well, I, th I think there's things that are even more extreme that are possible. And some of these might be precluded by local or state laws in the particular municipalities. But at one point, at what point after Apple is building all of this infrastructure for people to live and, and, and be housed and so forth, you know, at what point do they break off from Cupertino and become um, Steve World, you know, Steve Town or Jobstown or, or whatever, you know, dystopic uh, name that they would that they would give it. I mean, there is that potential at a certain point as these these companies that are richer than nations start to build out the infrastructure of towns and cities, of not wanting to be within the jurisdiction of some other random, stupid, slow, bureaucratic entity. They want to they control for themselves. So, I mean, that, that's the kind of sort of interesting, unexpected consequence, unexpected to the masses at least, uh, that could come out of, from some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that goes to the heart of, you know, what is sort of the core of power in the 21st century. And, and you know, we've, during the 20, uh, 20th century, you know, that, 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 that power resided in nation states, right? And because of technology, uh, you know, smaller groups now have a lot more leverage than they, you know, ever used to. So, so you can, you know, sort of uh, influence people across the globe with uh, electronic tools now. You can, uh, sort of foment uh, discussions and, you know, uh, revolutions real or imagined, right, um, in, in the digital world. And, and there's, uh, you know, less um, benefit to being the guys in charge now, right? There's, there's uh, you know, power is getting uh, diffused across, you know, these smaller, more, more agile uh, entities. And, and the corporate entity, you know, makes makes a lot of sense in terms of their, you know, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of smart people, and they have a lot of leverage. So what do you do with that? And and you can see the trends that are favoring the corporate entity, you know, just, you know, watching these waves come in over and over again, whether it's political power, or the power to retain more of your earnings, you know, just wave after wave, you know, and now acquiring real estate, etc. So, um, there's an interesting power shift going on. I don't know what it means because, you know, of course, uh, you know, we've seen similar things before, but not these exact circumstances. 
Um, you know, in the Gilded Age, there was there was a, a check, a hard check that came, you know, in in the form of, uh, you know, the, the the U.S. government, and then and then also just you know the economy tanking, right? So there's uh, there will be consequences to it, and we don't know this time around what what they ultimately might be. But uh, you know, this this is a symptom of shifting power dynamics. Uh, in the 21st century, and once things is is for sure, these shifts are going to happen a lot more quickly uh, than they ever did, you know, a century ago. Because there's there's this amplification that comes from technology that just just supercharges these trends. So uh, we may find ourselves at more extremes uh, a lot more quickly because you know, frankly, the check of of government can't react that fast. It's just not keeping up. Um, and, and so, you know, these, these dynamics are different. The system is different. Um, you know, we're getting this, uh, uh, this power shift at a time when it may not be checked as well. Who knows? Dirks, your, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. But you know, my thoughts, I mean, at the same time, um, everything old is new again, right? Because, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about these in the context of 21st century innovation and big corporations and fast change, but 19th century corporations were kind of going down these same paths. So it's it's modern. It's like new to us in a certain way, but it's it's old. It's as old as as business itself. Um, it's just you know taking taking a new form and one that again, like like we talked about on the Company Towns show before. When those started, it was Utopia City. I mean, I don't want to say they had the best intentions because they certainly may not have, but there was optimism with from the workers. There was optimism communicated from the companies. There was optimism communicated from the media and the greater culture and community. I mean, this was positioned as something that could help us in some abstract us um, evolve into something different and better and, and more interesting. And it simply didn't turn out that way. There aren't differences really between what was happening then and what's happening now at a macro level that we should think it would be any different now. I mean, it, at the end of the day, you have people who are motivated by, by wealth acquisition and selfishness who came up with the idea, who are pulling the strings, who are driving it forward. And it's the exact same thing that we have today. So I'm not, it's, it's funny because if I was a younger person, even at my own age, if I wasn't married with kids and have, you know, if I could go to a company like Google and get into this cool place with lots of like-minded people and, um, get a big salary and have my housing taken care of in this neat community, I'd, I'd sign up like, absolutely. It's, it's great for me as a participant over a short term period of time, um, living my life, but in in the macro, in the systems that can build from that, and where it can go, and the downstream damage in ways that we're not thinking about as we're living the high life on those benefits. I mean, that's where the concern really is. Yeah the uh, the unintended consequences, you know, are are, are going to be myriad uh, from uh, endeavors like this. I'm I, I'm I'm almost certain of that, and it. It makes me wonder. There, there's you know this uh, thought process around creative work, the creative class, the the idea that you can sort of work anywhere and you know be able to make a a, a good living. It's freelancer nation, right? Yeah. Um, and and I wonder whether or not 
um, that's, you know, call, call that a semi-utopian dream of, of being free, you know, to, to sort of work where you want. Work from the beach, right? Uh, as long as you have super fast internet, you can sort of uh, do what you want. I wonder if that, the reality of it is that you're going to have some very specific, uh, powerful corporate players that, that dictate the terms for, for their employees. And, and this, this idea that, that, um, that we're sort of free to be employed wherever in a, in, in, in a national or global means, if that's just, you know, um, just sort of smoke and mirrors or, or a fantasy. I don't think it's smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just all very nuanced. Um, first of all, corporations today, the, the, the companies we're talking about, the Googles and the Facebooks, it is not in their best interest to have everyone work in one place at the end of the day. It's in their best interest to have some degree of geographic diversity for a lot of reasons, ranging from uh, research to marketing. It, it, it's good for them if there are people all over the world working on their behalf. So um, they are going to want people in the mothership that are in these controlled communities, but they're also going to want the the people like us, let's say, who don't want to be sucked into that, but still want to be working for their organization. The 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 issue, I think, or I don't even know if issue is the right word, but in general, what we can expect is that the people who are um, who are more deeply immersed, the people who are going out and part of the mothership and part of the the core, those are going to be the people who are who are becoming the wealthiest, who are um, who are most privileged by their employment with an organization like that. And as for the other companies in the world, once you move away from from this upper crust, you know, I mean, they're just trying to you know tape and string it all together the best they can anyway. So the the B class companies and below are always going to be looking for random chuckleheads like us, um, you know, whether we're located hither or yon. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward, if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dnemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 234 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.